Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Now, this picture is uh, for all the veterinary scientists in, in the room. This dog's leaping for joy. Many, many years ago, I won't tell you how many years ago, uh, before I met uh, my wife, Dana, I was uh, traveling uh, in uh, an area of New Mexico uh, where I worked. I was there, it's in the mountains in the United States. And very often there's these uh, spontaneous showers, like we had this morning. And this morning, actually, when I woke up and I heard the showers, I was a little concerned that there was also going to be hell mixed with it, and I was concerned about our vehicle. Well, this particular day, I was driving my car, and the showers hit, and then hell started coming from the sky the size of ping pong balls, massive uh, pieces of ice, you know, dropping down from the sky. And I had no place to, to, to move my car uh, and protect it, and so my car was pelted. Dimples all over the vehicle. I, I was mortified. Uh, then I met Dana and realized that uh, I had not claimed insurance on my car yet for this, uh, the, hell, the hailstorm damage. And so I took my car in. And in those days, uh, and the insurance policy that I had, you could claim insurance uh, for whatever damage was on your vehicle. And you had a choice whether to use it to repair your vehicle or to use it for whatever you wanted to. You just couldn't claim again on your car. So very much ethical and legal. And so they wrote me a check handed me the money, and uh, I quickly went out and I bought uh, my wife's wedding ring and her engagement ring with that money. Uh, I like to joke about this, that, uh, that my life is from hell to heaven. Uh, had I, you know, at the time when, when this hell was just beating my car to death, I was frustrated and was like, oh my goodness, this is going to ruin my car, and this is terrible. Had I known that this was going to result in an incredible wedding ring and engagement ring for my wife, uh, I would have celebrated. I would have rejoiced. I mean, just imagine driving in a hailstorm going, yes, this is fantastic, great, I love it. I love this beating of my car, like, like this, like this dog here. Excitement. Luke 6, verse 22 and 23. These are the words of Jesus Christ. I want to read this for you. This is what Jesus said. What blessings await you? When people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man. When that happens, be happy. Leap, yes, leap for joy. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets the same way. The context of this is Jesus has done a few miracles, he's walking with his disciples. He's gone up onto a mountain and prayed and asked God, who should I choose out of these hundreds of disciples that are following me? Who should I choose to be my 12? And uh, when he came down, he chose his 12, came down from the mountain, and then he made the statement. Uh, this launching of people following him saying, it's going to be tough, it's going to be hard, but leap for joy because there's a great reward that's waiting for you. Get excited. You're about to go through difficult, hard times. And we see this teaching of Jesus with his followers. Uh, that was one of the first things he said, it's going to be tough. But remember, the reward is coming. He breaks down 
and list some of these possibilities. Uh, the first one there is hate you. Uh, they're going to hate you. That's that's a lot, right? It's not just dislike you. They're going to they're going to hate you. John 15 verse 18 and following. Uh, this is how Jesus describes the level uh, and, and the reason for this hate. They're going to hate you with that cause. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. And the reality is, is that when we follow Jesus Christ, we are going to be hated for no reason. It's not that you did something wrong. It's not that you operated improperly. If you are being hated solely because uh, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you're being treated exactly the same way that Jesus Christ is treated. But remember, there's a great reward. So get excited about it. Hey, that guy hates me for no reason. Isn't that awesome? This is fantastic. Look at I'm so happy. This guy hates me for no reason. But typically our response when people hate us for no reason is that's just not fair. We complain about it. We gripe about it, right? Oh, man. They hate me for no reason whatsoever. But of course, in contrast to the hate that we might receive following Jesus Christ, there is, of course, this incredible love that God gives us to replace that, right? And, and that's, that's our hope. In, in the midst of being hated for no reason, uh, we rest and settle in the incredible love that we know is ours in Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the love that we receive from the Father is so much greater than any hate we could possibly ever receive, and therefore we rejoice and we leap in a moment, I may ask you to leap for joy. So get ready. The world hates us if we follow Jesus Christ. That's the promise. They will hate you. Leap for joy and rejoice because grace. He, he, he says in this text, he says that you'll be excluded. You'll be left out of things. I've listened to many of you in this room tell me stories of how when you decided to follow Christ, you were set aside. Maybe you were put at the children's table because you follow Jesus Christ. No longer considered to be a real individual. Sit with the kids. You don't belong to us anymore. Excluded. The reality is clear that for many, a decision to follow Christ means being pushed out of the community that you grew up in. It's not, it's not everyone that when you follow Jesus Christ comes out of loneliness into the community of Christ. Now that's true for a lot of us. Maybe we came out of no community. And then we received Christ and then we entered into a community that we cherish. But for many, they leave a very strong community and have to leave it so that they can enter into the community of Jesus Christ. It would be wrong to assume that everyone coming to Christ comes from isolation or loneliness. When I chose to obey God's call to ministry, uh, I had pushback from some, uh, some of my family claiming that my first priority was them and not God's call. But my story hardly compares to the pressure felt by many of you in this room when you stood firm on your faith against possibly the council of elders, when you stopped going to the holy fire or seeking the protection of council of ancestral spirits or other spiritual forces. It is possible that you made a stand and left the community to follow and enter into the community of Christ, excluded. Your choice to follow Christ meant absolute exclusion. 
kind of community do you leave and enter into? What community do you enter into? And the promise of Christ is that the community of Christ is sweeter and more extraordinary than any community that you might have left. That's, that's the love of Christ. And that's why community and protecting community in the body of Christ is such a huge vital part of our lives. We will be excluded following Christ, but we will step in to the sweet community of the body of Christ. That is extraordinary. So, rejoice. Leap for joy. Be like that crazy dog. Mocked. Have you been mocked for following Jesus Christ? Teased? Now let me define mocking. Teased or laughed at in a scornful or contemptuous manner. I love English. When, when I was in secondary school, that's when I made my first stand for Jesus Christ. And I had a friend named Renata. And Renata started teasing. And, I mean, it was, it was nonstop. I was a prefect in my school. And so she said, you know what? And I combed my, I had hair back then, and I combed my hair perfectly. And so she said, you're, 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 you're perfect. And that was not a compliment. You're a prefect. You're, you're perfect. And your hair looks like uh, plastic. And so she began to call me uh, P-Cubed. That was her nickname for me. But no big deal. We remain friends. We're actually Facebook friends now. And uh, yeah. Mocked. Have you been mocked for your faith? Have you been mocked? Cursed. Uh, the, the term used here in, in Luke 6 is, he says, cursed as evil. And, and Matthew takes it one step further. Look at Matthew 5, verse 11. This is uh, Matthew's take on the same words of Jesus Christ. This is how he interpreted it. He said this, God blesses you and people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. And Matthew goes on to say, be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. I think we understand this in today's language as gaslighting. You familiar with this term, gaslighting? Uh, the term originally uh, comes from a, uh, a play from, from England in 1938 called Gaslight. It was about a man who had married a heiress, in other words, a very rich uh, woman who had all kinds of inheritance. And to get all of her money, she started. he started making her think that she was crazy. And what he would do was he would he would increase uh, the, the light from the gas lamp and then reduce it. And she would say, she would come in and look at the, the different uh, volumes of the light. And he began to say, no, no, it's always been like this. Nothing changed. They go up, they go down to make her think she was crazy. So this idea to try to make you think that the problem is you and, and not actually the one attacking. There are different types of gaslighting. Uh, you familiar with this term? It's, it's, it's a term in our world that we've taken on as, with social media, but this idea of lying about someone, uh, it could be just be outright lies. Uh, and and this, is a, this is one way that it might uh, reveal itself. They're just jealous of me, so that's, that's why they're, you know, that's why they're hating me. They're just jealous. So instead of actually uh, claiming and owning the problem that you might have, uh, you mischaracterize the character and intentions of 
possibly know what the truth is. Manipulation of reality, when someone constantly denies your experience or perceptions, there's no way you can build up. <laughs> uh, but, but manipulating your reality, trying to, to create something different. So you give your life to Christ, you start following Jesus Christ, you say, you know, Jesus has changed my life. I'm no longer down. Uh, that can't be true. I've known you your entire life. You're, you're just, you, you just aren't doing things properly. You, you've always been like this. You didn't change. Manipulation of reality. Scapegoating. You know this one? Instead of owning your deal, uh, it's your fault I'm angry. You always try to confuse me. Have you ever heard that before? It's your fault that I hit you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you provoke me. Coercion. Uh, all kinds of different ways of manipulating people into doing what they want you to do. Complimenting you. Someone needs help from you, therefore they call you mommy or daddy. They call you, then they hang up on you, telling you how Christians should behave. I've been the recipient of this numerous times. Someone asks me for something, I can't give it. You know what, as a Christian, you know, Christians are supposed to give. I had a guy uh, uh, tell me, uh, scream down my street that pastors must forgive because I didn't help him with some more food. I'd given him food and he'd thrown it away. And uh, I said, I just can't give you more food because you throw it away every time I give it to you. And he screamed down my street, pastors must forgive. To which I wanted to respond. I didn't. I want to say, but people who are asked for food shouldn't throw it away. Have you been gaslit? I'm not sure what the past tense of gaslighting is. <laughs> Have you been gaslit for the sake of Jesus Christ? Have you been gaslighted? I'm not sure how to say this in past tense, but have you been lied about in your faith? Someone's questioned your experience, questioned your testimony. Jesus says if that's happening in your life, there's a great reward in your testimony. So, lied about because you follow Jesus Christ. There is a great reward. And that really is the issue, right? The issue is that we're being persecuted. We get excited when we're persecuted for following Jesus Christ. The other kind of persecution that has nothing to do with Jesus doesn't count. Alright? But what he's saying is here, if you are persecuted for the sake of Jesus Christ. And, and this, this can play out in so many different ways. Let me give you one example of how this can play out. Possibly you continue to be faithful to your spouse, your husband or wife, even though they're abusive. And, you've, and you're doing this because of your obedience to Jesus Christ. Remember, there's a reward for you because you continue to, out of your obedience to Christ, to be faithful to your spouse. There's a reward for you. We obey Christ and we are persecuted for doing so. Get excited. Because there's a great happening. Authors of the New Testament agree that the greatness of coming, of what is coming, far exceeds anything that you can get on this planet. And make no mistake, Jesus is not rewarding you, is is not offering you some incentive of just self-denial. The incentive is self-denial with a reward. Compensation for going through a difficult time. 
you follow Jesus Christ will discover. We understand this in our world that people get hardship paid for going to difficult places. We understand this idea. This idea that if you work in a difficult place, a dangerous place, there's more pay. There's, and there are all kinds of rules here. In, in, in Namibia, we have rules of overtime pay. Overtime pay is supposed to be higher than normal pay. Because you realize you're coming here in an extraordinary circumstances, so you need to be paid more because you're working overtime. You're doing more than what's expected of you, and therefore you need to pay you more. I had a friend who worked for the UN, and a Namibian, worked for the, for the UN, and she went to a very, very dangerous place where she went in convoy everywhere she went, lived in a barricaded apartment complex. She made big money. She said, you know what? It's worth it because I know I'm making a big money. I'm going to work here for a couple of years, make the big money, and then I'm going to cash in. The reality is, is that Jesus is saying, I know this is hard, and therefore I'm going to compensate you. And the rewards from Jesus Christ are out of this world. They're extraordinary. They're amazing. And we're not wrong for being motivated by the rewards that God gives us. One of the, one of the hard things that we deal with as believers is to think, well, if I'm rewarded in Christ, then I'm being selfish. Whereas the reality is, is that we're not. We are enjoying God. We are enjoying Him. We're, we're being pleased by Him. Jesus is saying life will be hard. You betcha. But the hardship compensation is out of this world. So great, so great that you need to be happy now. Be forgiven. Anticipate a reward that you can only imagine. Anticipate something that is more extraordinary than you can possibly wrap your head on. So get excited. Leap for joy. Now, the, the command here of Scripture, Jesus is not saying for you, oh, yeah, uh, just just be okay, bud. Yeah, it's going to be okay. But just kind of be calm about it. Be, be, no, no, no. Rejoice. Be happy. Leap for joy. That's how great the reward is that's coming. C.S. Lewis, uh, the wordsmith, I don't know if you ever read any of C.S. Lewis's words, but he's often quoted for this statement here. This is what he says. I'm going to read this to you because there's not a better way to say it. We are told to deny ourselves and to take up our crosses in order that we may follow Christ. And nearly every description of what we shall ultimately find if we do so contains an appeal to desire. And what he's saying here is what's scripturally very true is that whenever God says it's going to be hard, You'll see the teaching of Jesus all through the New Testament. He says, it's going to be hard, but there's a reward that's coming. He, he motivates us not that it's going to be hard. He says, it's going to be hard and just dig in. No, no, he says, it's going to be hard, but the reward is coming. Every hardship that we endure for the sake of Christ is accompanied with the promise and blessing and reward of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing selfish about that or evil about that that we're motivated by those he goes on to say, if there lurks in most modern minds the notion that to desire our own good and earnestly to hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing, I submit that this notion has crept in from some other philosophers like Stoics and has no part of the Christian faith. Indeed, and this is his often quoted phrase, indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward, and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but 
their children. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, but infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are too easily pleased, CS36. And we are. We resort to all the pleasures that we can get here, not realizing that infinite joy, incredible rewards are ours in Christ. That's why he says, Leave for joy. You're going to go through hard times and get excited about it. It's coming. This was the motivation of Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ endured the cross for the joy. And look at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 again. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great, such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disgracing and shame. Our example of anticipating the reward that's coming is Christ himself. Jesus went to the cross anticipating the joy that was coming. Not the joy he had now, but the joy that was coming. So how can this be a bad motivation if we enjoy God? if we are moving and motivated by the joy we will receive in Him. It can't be so. When I was a student in seminary, I stumbled on the book. It's my first ever meeting of uh, the author, John Piper. Maybe you've heard of him. He's an often quoted uh, theologian, pastor. He's pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church in the States for many years. But where he kind of got on the evangelical map, uh, it was his book, Desiring and the whole book uh, dealt with this issue of, of what he called becoming a Christian hedonist. In other words, to enjoy life completely, but as, uh, but in Christ. The chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. He takes that, uh, that cry out, that, that statement, and he goes from there. This is what he says. His, this was the capstone of my emerging hedonism, praising God, the highest calling of humanity and our eternal vocation did not involve the renunciation, but rather the consummation of the joy I so desired. In other words, the joy that he so desired and longed for, he realized he could only, this is John Piper writing, he realized in his faith, in his, he said, I, could, I realized that I, I, I'm always searching for joy, but this joy can only be found in Christ. And so I should not deny my desire for joy, but I should fulfill my desire for joy with the greatest possible means by which I can be joyful, and that is in Everybody with me? This is what he says. My old effort to achieve worship with no self-interest proved to be a contradiction in terms. God is not worshiped where he is not treasured and enjoyed. Praise is not an alternative to joy, but the expression of joy. It is the leaping for joy. Not to enjoy God is to do what? To dishonor him. To say to him that something else satisfies you more is the opposite of worship. It's sacrifice. We are invited to enjoy Him. And 
And this is the invitation of Christ in Luke chapter 6. He's saying, you're going to go through hard times, right? Blessed are you when you go through hard times. When you're mocked, when you're hated, when you're lied about. I'll tell you, the reward is coming in heaven. Now, that's what the scripture says. Heaven is coming. That reward is coming. But I can tell you right now that there is joy even here on this planet as you go through hard times. There's a spirit-filled joy that comes as we suffer in Christ. We're blessed when we go through hard times, even here. And there's an unexplainable joy that we can experience as we suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ that we can experience here in heaven. That's the invitation. That is James, the brother of Jesus, said this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for what kind of joy? Great joy. Not sneaky joy, but yeah, by a you know, big joy is the invitation. You go through hard times, get excited. What blessings await you? Look again at Luke 6, verse 22, verse 23. What blessings await you if people hate you? and exclude you, and mock you, and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man. When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember your ancestors treated the ancient prophets the same. Remember, this is how it's always been. This way it will always be. So be happy when you go through hard times because the reward is great. Just imagine this. Just imagine if, if I picked up my phone and called Rico, all right, we're going to do the old-fashioned type model here, calling, all right, all right, our phones now are more like this. Hey, Rico, you got a few minutes? I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It, it, it looks like I'm going to be fired because I stood up for my beliefs in God. Isn't that awesome? How about you? Do you have any persecution on your side? I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. Man. Well, uh, maybe you'd like to share in my disgrace so that you can get some better. Would you, would you like that? Yeah. Maybe you'd like to, to share some of the false accusations with me when I stand before the elders' council as they, you know, at my work trial. Because reward is coming. I'm so sorry you're not going through a hard time. Yeah. This could be good for you, Rico. This could be really good for you. Are we willing to follow in the tradition of people who've gone before us, who died for their faith, for following Jesus Christ, knowing reward is coming? I think about Andrew, the apostle who was killed. Peter, apostle Peter. Legend has it that he was actually crucified upside down because he thought it to be too disgraceful to be. He, he, he just felt like he could not be the, killed the same way Jesus Christ was. That it was an honor for him. Matthew the Apostle, Paul, Philip, Barnabas, Mark the Evangelist, all gave their life for the sake of Jesus Christ. They counted it an honor. And there are many, many others. Polycarp, Pelagia, Boniface, all these different people through time and history uh, martyred for the sake of Dietrich Bonhoeffer stood firm in his faith, was killed because of his faith. Jim Elliott, 
Nate Saints, Ed McCauley, Reed Fleming, Roger Yoderman, all people who were killed because they went and served Jesus Christ as missionaries. These were in the 50s. Graham Stewart Staines, killed in 1999 with his two sons because they uh, were trying to share the gospel with the Hindu community. And on and on it goes. You may know people who have given their life for the sake of Christ. And it's an honor. It's an honor. Maybe your name, maybe my name could be, could be listed. And when I face that moment, will I rejoice? Will I leap for joy? Will my spiritual development be enough at that moment to realize, no, the reward that's coming is extraordinary? Absolutely. So, New Song Family Church, if you would like to stand house here and leap for joy. Anybody? Anybody? Anybody want to leap for joy? You're going through a hard time? Who wants to step out and leap? Anybody? I dare anybody. I know some of you athletes out there. Come on, guys. Going through a hard time? Anybody want to leap? Yeah, there's one over there. I got to leap. Got to leap back here. Anybody else? We have a lot of work to do, New Song Family Church. Yeah, yeah. How high is your leaping? How high is your rejoicing? I know you're all going through hard times, and many of you are going through hard times because you're following Jesus Christ. So, rejoice. God, thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that uh, the rewards are truly there. So, Father, we give you praise. Lord, forgive us for not approaching hard times as you ask us to. Lord, help us to change the way we think about difficulty. We ask God for your joy, for your, your, your spring in our, in our legs, Lord, that we would jump and get excited. Let's stand together and end this worship. This is Rico Veca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.